would travel two to three hours just to do a an hour seminar or a two hour seminar and then come back and then just to keep that motivation going and learning for myself. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're gonna dig this. I oh, am. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Check check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of MartialArtsMedia.com, George Faree. Hi, this is George Free, and welcome to another Martial Arts Media Business Podcast episode, and we're up to number 30. And today I have with me kind of a legend in the industry, Matt Wickham, who a lot of people are familiar with, and he, although he operates from a very small town within Victoria, and that's part of the topic. We, we discuss operating a martial arts school in a very small town where obviously your marketing reach is a lot smaller than it would be in a big city. And how he manages to operate with both of his businesses side by side. So he's into the building industry and that's a a family business. And then he has his passion, his martial arts business. But even operating in such a small town, he still manages to to pull all the big names into his school. And, And he invites people from all over the world to come and train with his students so that he can pass on the knowledge that he's been able to gather. Um, throughout his own travels. So great episode and, and lots to talk about that. I'm going to keep this intro very short today and, and we're going we're gonna to jump right into, into the episode and, and, and chat with Matt. Um, as always, you can find all the transcripts on the website. So martialartsmedia.com forward slash 30. So that's the number 30. And again, if you're reading this episode, the, the podcast players are right on the website. They're also in the app. So if you have a mobile phone, you can just download it and get the episodes delivered straight to you. So that's it from me. Let's jump right into the episode. And please welcome to the show, Matt Wickham. G'day, everyone. <laughs> Today I have with me Matt Wickham. G'day. How you going? Good, good, good. And let's start from where exactly on the map are you? Because I, I wanted to, I was attempting to visit you in Melbourne, but you're just outside of Melbourne. Is that right? That's right. Well, um, I'm situated on the, the Murray River on the border of New South Wales and Victoria. It's about uh, two to three hours from Melbourne in a small uh, community called Echuca. Uh, populations probably, in Echuca, it's, uh, I think it's about 12,000. Across the river, there's an extra couple of thousand. So in the community, there's about 20,000 people. Wow. Okay, so real, real small town. So, town. so I guess let's, let's just start from the beginning. And um, I, I had a look at your website. There was a whole list of credentials. I, I couldn't really get to the end of the website. There was a, there was a lot of credentials. So um, in, in your words, who is Matt Wickham? Who is Matt Wickham? All right. Uh, Matt Wickham is a uh, country boy that uh, um, from the age of 12 started learning martial arts and um, just fell into it. Actually, I, I probably fell into it, but it was, it was partly because I loved seeing Bruce Lee and uh, from Bruce Lee then getting the slight bullying sort of thing from school, I got uh, a mate of mine told me to just start doing um, some martial arts and so I started from there. When I got to uh, around about 18, 
a, uh, one of my instructors sort of said, look, um, you'd be pretty cool at uh, running a class. So I, I, I belonged to a football club in um, my local area. It's not, not actually in Echuca, it was out a bit. And um, the local football club there closed down. So there was a lot of kids that didn't do, have a lot. They had to travel into Echuca, which was a half an hour away from, from where I lived at that stage. So I thought I'd start up in the local hall there uh, a uh, Zindakai martial arts class. So an 18-year-old had no idea about teaching anything. I've, you know, my instructor come out, ran the first class, and then he just sort of said, here you go, there's a class. <laughs> and basically from there, I, I just had to learn from there. Um, while that was happening, I also uh, did my apprenticeship in building uh, with my father. It was a family sort of business that uh, kept me going and then once I finished my apprenticeship probably around about uh, 2021 uh, I wanted to, to branch out and learn a bit more about martial arts and I, I moved to Melbourne for about 18 months um, didn't have a job just went down there and uh, just picked up any sort of work I could just to keep going but every night I wanted to learn any sort of martial arts so I did um, classes in Kendo, Iodo, um, I did Aikido, uh, Muay Thai, and also like advanced classes in Zendikai. Try to travel around to different clubs to see what sort of stuff uh, instructors were doing in uh, in our Zendikai system. And um, at that time, I had no work, pretty broke, and wanted to keep training. But I just realised I had to come back to Chuka, and my father was. He was uh, getting a little bit older and a bit hard for work. He, he needed the extra help. So I, I moved back to Echuca, uh just sort of early, you know, probably uh, 92, I think it was. And then I, um, I got back to my normal club and I said, oh, this is the things that uh, was going on. And I was excited to show them all the stuff that I learned over the, over the 18 months in Melbourne. And they didn't really seem um, acceptable of what I wanted to show them. And uh, I was got a bit put back by that because so I thought, well, here's some stuff that I've learned from our high-ranking uh, instructors in, in Melbourne um, because we're so isolated. Sometimes isolation, you don't, you're afraid to see something new come up. And um, so I decided to open up a my own club. And um, so I opened up the full-time facilities in the centre of Echuca, upstairs above a uh, hairdresser's salon. Had no idea how to run a martial art or a business in, in that detail. Um, so I went in, advertised, set it all out with mats and started running kids' classes to uh, Muay Thai classes and Zeno classes. So I was doing like two or three classes a night, morning classes, and working during the day with my father in his, in his building business. And I was... Uh, really, really, really struggling to keep the business going. The odd night I would have uh, in, when I first started back, the Muay Thai was really massive and big. So I had uh, huge classes in this tiny little um, shop <laughs> in Echuca, and um, it, that was the only thing that was keeping me going. You know, and the kids turning up, I have huge kids classes, but I had no business idea of how to run a business or how to keep things moving along and I just got so busy with building that I was just burning the stick from each end and uh, I just decided oh, I need to pull back so I pulled back on the, the teaching and I just 
hired a hall and I started back into a hall teaching you know, twice a week in a uh, in a local um, church hall and still running the you know helping out with the building business and suddenly my father he uh, it was getting a bit too much for him so I ended up taking over the the building business and um, did a few business coaching courses and um, trying to manage both it was really hard really tough because my passion was really the the martial arts and um, just teaching and learning myself and weekends traveling to seminars trying to learn as much as I can and I found that that from a small community you know people didn't really want to travel to learn extra stuff and I was keen as mustard to you know I would travel because I knew that was the only way for me to advance my skills and travel so I would travel you know, two to three hours just to do a an hour seminar or a two hour seminar, and then come back and then just to keep that motivation going and learning for myself. Because when you're teaching classes, you don't sometimes don't get that chance to uh, keep motivation, like keep your own skills up. Um, the building business. Then uh, my father retired, and I end up taking over the the building business from then on, and uh, it got uh, pretty. Pretty heavy. I end up having about three or four guys working full time in the building business. I was working on the tools during the day as well as doing quoting at night time after training and seminars and classes. And um, I, you know, today I'm still even building today. But uh, the struggle of getting things perfect. I wanted things to be perfect in my martial art tra- training and my my coaching, but also my business. And, um, and then suddenly I got married and had kids and, and, you know, family life, they want things. And I knew that, you know, my martial arts was at that stage, it was, it was just more like a hobby. And an opportunity come up that uh, one year, uh, one of my instructors sort of had this, uh, bought this uh, business. And upstairs there was this huge area that I thought, well, this is, we're looking about 2000 at this stage, huge area then. I said, well, I'll hire that out to, you know, help out with the rent as well as, uh, you know, it's nice of him to do that. It was in the main street of Echuca. So we opened that up and again, I went in full steam ahead, pulled out walls and set up. I had a full-time kickboxing ring set up. Uh, I had you know, heaps and heaps of people coming in, taking classes and I was running all the classes, doing all the classes myself and not asking for help or coaching any people to become instructors. Um, again, just doing too much. And, uh, you know, it's pretty hard when you're on your, on your family as well when you're, you're trying to run fly out, trying to make a, a dollar. But uh, it was, uh, again, I wasn't really prepared for, for running two businesses properly. And um, so I did some more courses to try and... Um, get myself, get my head around running two businesses and also making sure that I can have a balance between work, my my hobby, which is my martial arts, and also my, my life. And um, it was, you know, again, I ended up putting a lot of weight on because I, I wasn't, I was just doing stuff. I wasn't doing things properly. I wasn't looking after myself. I was just uh, keeping things moving along, ticking over, and I just lost track of myself a lot and uh, I found that because I lost track of myself and what I was doing 
was uh, reflecting on my uh, my passion, my martial arts, and, and classes sort of dropped down a lot. I kept on beating myself up, thinking, "Why is why what's going on?" Because you know, I, I believed that I was teaching great stuff, um, trying to keep up with the times, with good good tuition and stuff like that. But I thought, obviously, it was something to do with myself, and because um, and, I looked overweight, I, I was probably 30 kilos overweight. I put on a lot of weight. Didn't do a lot in the classes myself. I wasn't demonstrating a lot. And um, I started to get instructors to help out with classes. They were great. They were doing a fantastic job in uh, in the classes. And But wasn't really structuring. I didn't have any programs set up to help these instructors. I didn't give them any clear guidelines on where to go and how to do stuff. I was really just you know, stretching the thing out really in between uh, both businesses. You know, the building business was going great. Look, I had, um, you know, as I said, these guys working, I relied on them a lot to keep things moving along. And, um, but then the quality of the building started to lapse a little bit because I wasn't, you know, watching what was going on in the building business because I wasn't on site as much. I was quoting and keeping, keeping these gentlemen going for work. But my team was letting me down a little bit, so it was it was getting to a stage that I have to do something about it. So I end up uh, contacting. Um, uh, I did a course, and they uh, were talking about business coaching, and and I thought, well, I think I need to do this to uh, get myself uh, back on track. I had no idea on uh, most of the stuff I was doing was very self-taught in regards to business and marketing and done courses from here to there and in the in the building industry they have courses all the time and I just did a few of those but not really understanding I just sort of did them and just did the bare minimum of each area not really focusing a hundred percent and I think myself when I look back you know um, I, I should have really just focused on on you know a hundred percent on one on one business because I could make it a lot better than what it is but uh, and also for me, I think um, being my father's building business, I didn't want to let him down. You know, as as a um, you know martial arts, you don't you you don't want to let your coach or your instructor down. And my father was very passionate about his business, and um, I didn't really want to let him down. And I don't want to see that his business had failed if I stopped. And I still do today think about that. And part of that. Um, business coach I wanted is to understand this and uh, he showed me that you know uh, that I should be able to run both businesses very uh, successfully so uh, that was the line that we wanted to take in that direction of him trying to keep both businesses running successfully but manage them in a way that you have control in in what you're doing so he also um, showed me some some you know things flaws in my personality that that I needed to, to sort out as well. You know I had to work out I was overweight, and he said, Matt, you need to look after yourself. You know the number one person is yourself, and um, I was only letting my family down and everybody else down because I wasn't looking after myself. So, so two, um, two things, two things. Yeah. Sorry to, to interrupt you there. I, I just want to go back. Uh, firstly. You, you mentioned when you when you started traveling and you started to get out of your comfort zone of I wouldn't say comfort zone but out of your town and, and getting 
uh, having a look at what other martial arts schools were doing and you mentioned people in your town weren't really open to that what can can you recall what were the biggest takeaways that you get that you wanted to implement in the martial arts arena in your town that wasn't being done already uh there was a few things there was a few things in uh, when i did the traveling around um for me it was quite easy to go and travel these guys is at that stage, I was only looking at what the classes and the teaching process was. So I was learning off the instructors on how they teach and the the drills, the techniques on how they teach a particular way and the techniques that they do. So uh, I, I love doing that. I love watching instructors and, and watching them, how they communicate and how they demonstrate. So I, I was learning off those guys. But something that that I wanted to bring back to Achuka was um, that I'm really passionate about as well is when I first started my training, no one was willing to travel to do a seminar. So I don't know if there was just the frightened or fear of getting this to a seminar and going, oh, I'm not good enough to be here or I'm not sure what it was, but I still do this today is I try and bring... You know, I uh, try and bring the expertise to Echuca. You know, I know it's only a very small town, but uh, I, I want the people that, you know, uh, my students to get that opportunity that I, you know, went out and got beforehand. So I try and bring people to Echuca to, um, to say, hey, these guys have done this. They've become world champions. They're, they're fantastic instructors. So I try and... Um, you know, sometimes it's cost me a lot of money to, to, to bring people in, but I want my students to experience uh, more than just what's in my own club. You know, for example, uh, we've just, in the last day or so, I just uh, um, locked in um, Robert Drysdale to come to the club. And, it, you know, it's in a small town, you know, like uh, we've got 20,000 people in Echuca. We're, we're two to three hours away from Melbourne. And we've got a UFC fighter, um, you know, six-time world jiu-jitsu champion coming to Echuca. So, you know, I've had a lot of opportunities where I've asked these people to say, hey, would you be interested in coming to Echuca? You know, I want to, you know, expose my students to these professionals, these uh, legends, these, you know, mentors. You know, I just wanted people to, to, to see these people and say, hey, we could be there. We can have the opportunity to be as good as these guys. And how do you? And that's what. It, how, how do you go about yeah. that to get a big name like that out to uh, your to your yeah. town? George, I'm just very lucky. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's got to be some magic some great to it. Mentors and great coaches over the years, and you know, um, uh, my coach at the moment, my Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach at the moment. So I, I started doing jiu-jitsu. Um, um, late late nineties, and um, I got onto this great coach, and he's given me these opportunities. And um, uh, you know, I, I just see these guys, and I think, oh, I want to be, I want to train with these guys, and and they themselves have these opportunities, and, and I just tap into it. So um, I was very fortunate that my coach had had Robert coming to Australia, and I said. Uh, he actually said, well, why don't you have him to Echuca? And I said, oh, we will. We'll have him here in Echuca. Um, also, we've got to coming up also Dave Kova coming up to do um, uh, an instructor boot camp and instructor college. And 
again, you know, instructors around this northern area that I live in Achuka don't get that opportunity. And, you know, I'm trying to help the martial art community in this around here that give them the opportunity that they can come and learn from these professionals. And Dave's helped me a fantastic a lot over the years. And, and how I got on to um, uh, Dave Cova was like from Sean Allen and Phil and Graham from Perth. You know, these guys were talking about this Dave Cova and, and I was fortunate that he came to a, a club in Bendigo, which is about an hour away from, from Echuca in Melbourne. And he was there and I just sort of said to him, look, would you, uh, he said, is anyone interested in a seminar sort of thing? And that's where we got hooked up with Dave. So it's been about three, four years that we've been associated with Dave and he's sort of helped our businesses um, grow by uh, by his uh, guidance. And it's been fantastic. So coming back to what you're saying is those are the things that I, I took away from those those clubs. But the only thing I, I regret now is I wish to how I knew how they marketed those uh, those clubs back then. You know, marketing now is a huge uh, thing for for a martial art club to keep going. And uh, I wish that I I took more notice of of you know how they ran, what sort of uh, programs or teaching uh, to more detail. Uh, that's what I find interesting nowadays on um, you know trying to get people through the door because. You know that the hardest step for someone to start martial art is to get them through that door, and that's that's what we find that at the at our club at the moment that um, that first step is the hardest, and also it's the first time. First time stepping into a club, am I going to get hurt? Am I going to get kicked? Or am I going to get punched? What's going to happen? So um, I over probably the last. Um, uh, was it 2010? I started up. Uh, I started up a new gym. Um, started up a new full-time facilities, and this time I wanted to make sure I was set up. So with with the help of uh, like Phil and Graham and Sean Allen and Dave Cova, I put in a, a program, you know, like a teaching program in place, and um, and then I just started to set up, like try to make up a, like a community. So like a community spirit in, within my club. And um, so using Facebook now, I use Facebook a fair bit to market my club, but try to create a, a community within my club that people are having fun. Like it's a family-friendly club. that That's how I promote it. So, uh, so if someone's coming in for the first time, they know that it's a family-friendly club. They're going to feel comfortable coming through that door. And we set up with our marketing stuff is more about uh, the community spirit in the club. People are training together, smiling, having fun, learning, and then you see them also training hard, uh, competing in kickboxing to jiu-jitsu tournaments, you know, showing the different levels that we can take them. So uh, it's uh, that's what we're on at the moment in regards to our, our marketing. We're, we're focusing more on... on trying to create a culture or a community spirit within our club. Now, Not trying to push, you know, advertising so much, you know, like we, get, we don't, I don't try and push so we've got free sessions coming on or this or that. So I just more marketing on a, you know, a community spirit type of thing, get people involved in our community, you know, it's a friendly place, everybody's friendly sort of thing. For sure. Sorry, George. <laughs> yes, and, and it, it sparks a conversation I had earlier with uh, Brandon Belisa from, from the 
from America where we we were talking about you know there's there's things that and 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 this is really my question to you the leading question is you know we were looking at how and it's a discussion that keeps on coming up that the same marketing doesn't work in the same in two different locations so you can't have the same marketing message and think it's going to work in location A and location B depending of course on the dynamics but you know and this is something that we've been we've been finding and we've been talking about his two locations that you know what works in San Francisco doesn't work in Mulbray and it's something we've been seeing a lot with with Facebook marketing as well so my question to you with that is it, what have you seen that you know that people are doing in Melbourne and in the biggest cities from a marketing perspective that you've tried to implement in where where you are which is a smaller town that simply just doesn't work with with the people and the community um Yes, that's that's a really good uh, question because what we see in Melbourne, you know, the I know in Achuca, like my fees aren't as as much as Melbourne, and you know we're trying to commute, like educate people about. For me, I had to educate people around the town because some people don't know where we are and what we do, and in Melbourne, people are, uh, you know, that it's probably more. Oh. There's a lot more in Melbourne, more people there. And, uh, you know, I see that they're, you know, putting up special deals and stuff like that. And I tried them here, putting up like a special deal um, from even something that, that Matt was working on, the five, five beginner classes sort of thing and uh, program. We tried that for a short while. It worked in some classes, but, uh, but we couldn't retain them. Well, that was probably because of our, you know, following up and stuff like that. But we found this community sort of spirit sort of thing working better for us and that, you know, we're trying to uh, get people educated about it in the area of what we actually do at the club instead of pushing the hard push, you know, come in and get your free lessons or this is a special deal on. So instead of that, we're working on that at this stage and we've tried heaps and heaps, you know, what it's like, yeah, it's all trial and error, and I still don't think I've actually hit the nail on the head yet. We're still trying to work it out what works for us in Echuca, because um, I know that other guys got a different marketing programs, and I've tried some of that, and it's just some, as you said, does not work for for us. Or I've tried it, but I had the wrong recipe. And I think that's too is um, you've got to have the right recipe to to set that up, and if you don't understand it properly. I think that's when you sort of, uh, you know, you lose if you don't know how to do it properly. For sure, because um, and and here's the here's the thing with that. And sorry to cut you off there again, because because yeah. um, you know these deals and and paid trials, as we like to call them, it, it's something you know I'm, we've had great success with 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 our clients doing paid trials, but then sometimes we also don't. And the 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 reasoning, my reasoning behind that is. When you put up a great offer is you're putting an offer out to someone who is already sold on the idea that martial arts is going to work for them or their child. So you, you, you're more than likely talking to a person that's already done some research and they, they're ready to take their credit card out. But then there's, there's five different conversations happening, five different type of people, because there's a person that is just completely unaware of martial arts and, and what the benefits are. So they're not even looking for martial arts. And then 
you're going to find a person that, you know, maybe they there's a problem. Their child is getting bullied. They're, uh, they're lacking in confidence or, or something. They know they've got a problem, but they don't see, they haven't linked martial arts yet as the, as the actual solution. And then there's one step up that maybe the person that sees, all right, martial arts is the solution, but where do I do it? And then maybe they know, and then you can go a level up and say, okay, well, this person knows martial arts is the reason and the answer, but, and they know about you, Wickham's martial arts, but they still don't know if you're the right fit for what they are doing. So when you, when you look at marketing in that way, it's not, as, it's not really as easy as just putting the offer up because, and especially in, I think in an area like uh, where you are, because you've, you've only got so many people to work with. So, so just putting up an offer all the time, you, you could eliminate four different you know, types of people that are, that, that are not yet aware of martial arts or interested yet, or it, it's not... It's, it's not engaged. It's not in their radar whatsoever. And with those type of people, you've got to market completely differently because you, you really got to educate them and pinpoint what, you know, if they pinpoint the need or create the need before they would even look at the offer. So, yeah, I, I really think, in, and, and, I, and I'm, I really think this is a bigger play in smaller areas because you know, in a place like where you are, where there's 20,000 people, um, for you to run things like Google Ads and things like that, it won't really bring much results because there's not that many people actually looking. And I could be wrong. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. But yeah, just, you're right. You're but just statistically, right. I mean, you know, we looked at running ads for someone in Darwin and we, we kind of said, look, it's probably not the best way to go because there's not, just not enough people actually searching for martial arts training through Google. So there's got to be those different ways of, okay, and, and I like your way of community because community is trust and community can get people to talk. And that's the thing that's probably going to work the best for you in, in, a, in the smaller, smaller type area. Yep, yep, exactly. Yep, that's right. Because we have people in a local community, there's so much other things going on, but we want people to feel part of a group and people do. At the end of the day, they want to feel part of a club. They want to feel feel part of uh, a gym that that helps them, and also they can be you know contribute in some ways. So yeah, definitely the that's what we're working on the community approach. And you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's uh, we, we've tried marketing deals, but it just hasn't worked as much, you know, hardly at all, really. But, uh, so that's why we're working on that community spirit to so that we're having the people learning and having fun and, you know, they're progressing along and, and, you know, kicking some goals in their personal lives. Awesome. And so, so on the goals, and I see on your website you've got a, a, a list of 15 school rules. Can you elaborate yep. a bit more on that? Is that a something that you've very uh, stepped on? So that was put up the website crowd, but that's basically the the, the dojo rules were uh, when I first started. That was one of my instructors, uh, you know, the basic rules at the gym. So uh, he actually he gave them long, to me a long time ago, and we actually put that on the website. I think by mistake, but I like the keeping it there and just setting some uh, rules. You know, for the, for the club that everybody can read and say, okay, these are the basic rules in their classes that everybody has to work. 
you know, some basic guidelines at the at at the club. You know, showing a bit of discipline, respect. So that's what the the base of the rules are up there for. Okay, awesome. So back to running two businesses. <laughs> <laughs> so you you were saying that you know that you you discovered a few things and so forth, but I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it's it's got to be a and you know you in the building industry, that's a whole you know a whole project by itself or a whole oh yeah i guess it yeah. creates you know there's it, it's, it creates a big time commitment as is and then you've got the martial arts school so how do you yeah how do you go about juggling both businesses side by side by not uh, you know affecting your family life completely and, and and so forth uh i have a great support family like my wife is fantastic and she actually um her, her parents were in the building industry as well, so she has a bit of an idea what the building industry is like. Uh, she's very supportive of me, and she gives me lots of time to, to keep on these things. And but usually, you know, when when she says she needs a help or you know she needs some uh, support, I'm there 100. percent So I just drop everything, you know, for my family. I just drop everything for for them. But uh, I'm very fortunate to have a great support. Now, my I've got three kids. Uh, my oldest is 17, and I've got twins, Mitchell and Chloe. They're uh, uh, 15. Mitchell now does, uh, he trains every night doing, uh, he uh, does martial arts, or well, both of them do martial arts. Chloe actually now teaches our five to six-year-old, uh, six to ten-year-old, get that right, six to ten-year-old kickboxing classes. And Mitchell it competes regularly now he, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so we travel all around the place uh, doing competitions and stuff now. And I just I really love seeing these guys being involved in the club. So my, my family's sort of involved in martial arts, uh, which makes a, a huge help with me. And, uh, and I know down the track, like, building now is getting very competitive. You know, it's... Um, I'm competing against the, the the larger building contractors, and I've always done houses and renovations stuff like that. It's getting to a point now that even the trends that I'm looking at now for work is the renovation. So I've had to change the direction of the building business over the years, to, so I don't get too busy that that I don't want to be travelling out of town because I won't be able to get back in time for classes. So. It's restricted me on the, how far I could go with my building business. So I don't take on as much as I could take on. And also having the martial arts at night time restricts me from going out and having meetings with clients as well. So there is some good points and bad points. For the bad points, I don't get the opportunity to, to push my building business more by talking with clients after work or showing them around houses and jobs and stuff like that, spending the the quality time and the one-on-one time that, that I really want to uh, without employing someone else to do that. Um, it's, it's getting tighter and tighter as I get older too as well. Um, and because it's so competitive uh, in the building industry, it is making it a lot harder nowadays to to keep motivated for me, especially keep me motivated to, to keep the business going when my passion still much the martial arts. And uh, I love just teaching and learning. And 
and they're not quite there in regards to the martial art business as well. Like I've got so much more to learn, uh, setting up programs and, and, you know, setting up certain things to keep going. So I have a legacy set up. That's what I really want, that legacy that it's still there when my kids get in their 20s and they can start running more classes if they want to. Or, you know, there's an opportunity for them to take over the business. Uh, I don't think Mitchell wants to take over the building business. I'm not really sure, but um, uh, but you never know. We don't know what direction the kids will take. But uh, it's definitely getting harder for me now as I get older in running two businesses. Uh, running more so, running out of steam. You know, running out of uh, motivation. You got to try and advertise both businesses. It just finds it. Re- I find it really hard. Um, so uh, you know. The goal was when I, in 2010 when I started up this new martial art uh, centre that I wanted to get to a to a place that we have enough members members that I would probably fall back and just do small jobs on the building like small renovation jobs and focus more on the martial art business so I can put 100% into that business because um, I see myself in myself I'm letting you know. Opportunities. There's opportunities there to grow that business, and uh, I think for me, I, I feel like I'm letting myself down. I don't push them 100%. But on the other sense, is I don't want to let my father down by letting his business uh, just vanish because he's worked so hard in it over the years. So, uh, you know, that's that's probably yeah, something inside of me that I have to sort of uh, work out. And uh, any times that it, it'll all sort itself out, I can. For sure. So, what would you, what would say the next step is for you with your with your martial arts business and moving forward? Uh, next step would be George. For for me, is uh, over the years I've been trying to set up, uh, you know, um, trying to focus on uh, my coaching with uh, you know instructors, like instructing students to take that next level. I want people to be like, as I said before, a legacy. So I want to set the, the gym up to a point that, you know, people beca- can actually have a job in martial arts, have a job in teaching martial arts. You know, when I first started martial arts, you know, people go, oh, is that your hobby? And I go, yeah, that's my hobby. But even now, like today, they, they ask me the question, is that a business or is it a hobby? You know, what am I doing? Now I say, it's my business. You know, um, you know, I've got two businesses that I run. It's not a hobby, it's a business. And uh, I think back 20 years ago, martial art was looked at as a hobby and it wasn't looked at as more of a martial arts business. And um, last year, I was happy enough to travel over with Matt Ball to uh, America to see uh, uh, Kyoshi Dave Kova's um, business over in, in America and then sort of resonated with me in saying, yes, we can do this. This guy has done it. And I think that's what I want to do. I think, uh, you know, I want to set my uh, my focus on, on setting up Wickham's Martial Art as more of a, uh, a full-time business instead of a part-time, part-time business. And so that's sort of the direction I think I would like to take it. Awesome. In the near future. Awesome. Well, Matt, it's been great chatting to you. And if anybody wants to know more about you and your school and, and the town you live and so forth, where can they find out more about you? Uh, they can 
probably on our website. It's www.wickhamsmartialarts.com. Awesome. And so that's probably the best idea to get hold of that. Or, yeah. And, and I, I see... On Facebook as well. We're, we're, we're very heavily in Facebook community as well, so... Awesome. You can find Wickham's Martial Art page on Facebook. Cool, we'll link to that. And, and I also see mattwickham.com.au. Uh, just .com. Okay, and, and, and there's a, a personal one, Matt Wickham. I see you've got a... Uh, at, um, yeah, it's um, Matt Wickham. mattwickham.com.au. Yeah, that's it. There we go. Cool, so two websites to check out. Awesome, Matt. Thanks a lot. I will hope to chat to you soon. All right, thanks, George. And there you have it. Thank you very much, Matt, for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. If you want the show notes, you can download that at martialartsmedia.com forward slash 30. And if you're enjoying these podcasts and you would like to learn more and are there any have any suggestions for any shows or so forth, you can contact us on martialartsmedia.com. But also you can head to Facebook and if you want to leave us a bit of a review, um, that'd be awesome. I know it's very hard to leave reviews on the podcast apps like in iTunes and in Stitcher. So um, you can find us Martial Arts Media on Facebook. If you if you go for the direct URL, it's facebook.com martial art media, not with the S. Somebody unfortunately already took that. But if you just type in the search box martial arts media, you should be able to find us there. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. And we're going to be back next week with another great episode. And I will chat to you soon. Thanks. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.